0: The best know that failure is a part of the process. Because if you're consistently making the same mistake, you're not learning. But if you never make new mistakes, you're not growing.
1: This is the Reframe Your Journey podcast because we know you can go further and faster together. It doesn't have to be a guessing game. Each session, we'll be getting into advice. And tactical tools centered around the three s's of strategy systems and long-term success i'm greg Ryder, entrepreneur course creator and coach let's dive in my guest this week continues to grow her career in the world of mental strength conditioning as a mental performance coach she trains leadership teams and professional athletes who are the best in the world of what they do think of organizations such as the New York Yankees and Google. This conversation is full of gems that you can apply to your line of work and journey. Let's dig in and welcome Lauren Johnson. Lauren, welcome to the show. This is the Reframe Series podcast where we're exploring people making a difference on the LinkedIn platform and just in general, Making uh, an impact to so so many people. We are loving your content on the platform, and I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you for being here. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I am excited to be here today.
1: Nice, me too. So I'm, you know, I like to share a couple posts, and that'll guide us a bit here today. But before we dig in, I really like to know if there's like a TSN sort of turning point um, for yourself that led you to the career and field of work that you're in now. So as a mental performance coach or high performance coach, and the work that you're doing today is something that completely fascinates me. Can you share with us how you got started into that
0: work? Yeah, happily. Um, I played soccer since I was like five years old. You know, it was something that I fell in love with early on. I think it was equal parts fun as it was challenging, and I was okay at it. And so it was kind of the direction I went. As soon as I like learned about soccer, I'm like, this is what I wanted to do. And I played all through high school, you know, at some competitive club teams and for my high school team. And then I got a scholarship to go play in college. And um, to be honest with you, I, I say this all the time because somebody once asked me, they're like, what? Well, why do you do the work that you do? And it like kind of, I never thought about it. I mean, when I really stopped to think, I realized the reason why I was so drawn to this work is because I was the one that needed it. I constantly got in my own way. I constantly beat myself up. i I compared myself to a standard that did not exist or that was unachievable. And I did one thing wrong, yet ninety percent of the game was good, and I, that's all I hyper focused on. And so I fell I found myself almost like on this roller coaster of, Performance and roller coaster of self-worth throughout my soccer career. And it was third game into my senior year. I went up for a header and I came down and immediately kind of knew what had happened. And I got taken off the field and I was told that I received my fifth concussion. And the neurologist came into the room and he said, um, it's not safe for you to play anymore. And don't get me wrong. Like I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna like star on like the women's national team. Like there, I wasn't at that caliber, but I had plans to play overseas and to, you know, travel and, you know, I had all these plans and right. they were kind of shattered in that moment. And that's, um, that was really hard. It was like an identity crisis and, so while I was still on the team and I was just a support, you know, my my role was obviously very different. I was now on the bench versus on the field. Yeah. Um, it gave me a different perspective that I'm so thankful for because sometimes it's hard when you're on the field to think beyond you. Yes, of course you want to, you know, you want to win, you want to help your team, but you're so worried about your own performance and your own contribution that sometimes it's hard to see outside of yourself. Right. Yeah. And so now the only perspective I had was outside of me. And it shifted so much for me internally. And I ended up taking an elective course in sports psychology just because I had extra time on my hands. No one else signed up for it but me. And I fell completely in love with it. And I realized all these things that I thought were just like, I couldn't change all these things about myself. I thought I couldn't change. Suddenly I learned that I actually had control over to some degree. And it made me think, oh my gosh, who would I have been if I would have known these things? And then I thought, okay, how many people can I help now that I do? And that's kind of what started me in the direction of my career.
1: Wow. Amazing. Uh, That's got to be hard to have that taken away. I, I mean, sports was such a big part for me growing up too, like from the age of five. I mean, I grew up down the road from where Wayne Gretzky was and his father, I met multiple times. He gave me my first You know mvp trophies sort of thing and i had this mentor from the age of five who was off winning stanley cup championships through the 80s with the oilers uh it was such a great time for me as a kid when sports was everything i got to see jordan and the bulls win other nba championships Um, so i absolutely love team sports and i could see how that would be really hard to take at first to have that taken away from you well the field itself is is so amazing You know, I follow Michael Gervais, who has done a lot of performance coaching for the Seahawks and took a program with him and Pete Carroll, the head coach that they put out a while back. It's so fascinating. So when you started shifting focus to the team as a whole or the psychology behind it for athletes, what is something that jumped out at you right away that you saw? There's a common thread here. Is it an internal thing? Was it external pressures that you saw athletes facing? What was the thing that recognized that jumped out at you right away?
0: Um, you know, there's, I realized that professional athletes are just better at staying consistent when their circumstances change and don't get me wrong. Yes. Skill plays a huge role in that, right? Your ability plays a huge role in that. That's it's mindset. Mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. And so what I realized is as you get closer to the top, your skill and ability start to level out with everybody else there. Now, of course, we have those outliers that are just like, oh my gosh, who are you? You are incredible. You're just amazing at what you do. But a lot of the times the separators actually have little to do with ability. They have little to do with talent and they have a lot to do with being able to perform when pressure's on the line, when things don't go your way, when circumstances change. After you make a mistake. And when I saw that, I started to realize, oh, these people are just excellent decision makers in the worst circumstances. Because you can be every anyone can be mentally tough when things are going well, but it's when things aren't going well that truly reveal your level of mental toughness. Wow.
1: And talk about a skill that would just serve us through life. And life, you know, would be bound to find ways to, to test that. I'm going to share a post um, here. I'm going to come back to that one, but this one, because you got me thinking about that. So in this post, you talk about the journey towards your goals will be met with failure. And you talk a little bit about that failure, confronting it, learning from it, and recovering from it as quickly as possible. So when you have that top level talent, they still face these challenges. They still feel like they're failing if they have a bad game, a bad shift, or, or cause you know a goal or something like that. So talk to us a little bit about that recovery and, you know, how maybe it applies to also, you know, everybody in their careers or what they're doing. What do you see there?
0: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because this was so hard for me personally, like so difficult for me personally, um, because I thought you shouldn't fail when you're that good. You should not fail. And yeah, I understand that. But the best know that failure is a part of the process. Because. If you're consistently making the same mistake, you're not learning, but if you never make new mistakes, you're not growing. And so I realized that failure is just a part of the journey. And when we begin to embrace it and not fear it, we can actually grow and develop as a result of it, but we have the option. And I used to be the person that would sit and feel sorry for myself and beat myself up. And I will tell you, you will never make progress if you consistently sit and just beat yourself up. You won't. And I realized my limiter did not necessarily have to do with failure. It had to do with how long I chose to sit in it because the lesson was always there. It was whether or not I was willing to open my eyes to see it. And when I learned that the quicker I could recover from it, the more the quicker I can learn a lesson and the quicker I can be back on track. Because even science shows this, that if there was a study done that talks about New Year's resolutions and missing any given day, like based on whatever goal you set, actually has no impact on the outcome itself. It has to do with how consistently you stay down And how many times you make that same mistake. And so when I thought about that, I realized, okay, mistakes aren't the problem. Choosing not to learn from them is. And that changed everything.
1: Wow. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. And and finding new failures, right? Like that you're each new level requires something new of you. So you're going to have new failures. I can see how that really makes an impact over the course of, like you said, an annual goal or an annual target that you have for yourself. Uh, super, super impactful. I'm going to share one more, um, post. I'm going to go back to it. And this was about the gap and shrinking the gap. And when you talk about new year's resolutions or having a big goal, like a team has a goal of a championship, or you set this big target in front of yourself, you know, in this post, you talk about shrinking the gap, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that to reduce overwhelm. So what does that mean to, to you shrinking the gap?
0: Well, you know, uh, a lot of times um, big goals can seem overwhelming and it's funny. I used to set really small goals. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with setting small goals, Um, but I realized I was playing really small. And so when I started to uh, tackle some of these bigger goals that were seemingly impossible at times, or at least in my mind, um, I was met with a lot of overwhelm because when you're so focused on the gap between where you are and where you want to be nothing but perfection will do because anytime you make a mistake, you suddenly your gap gets bigger. And so what I realized is that actually it had little to do with the gap that existed. It had a lot to do with where my focus existed. And so I realized, okay, when the big picture seems overwhelming, zoom in to your next step, focus there that's a lot more digestible when you're feeling overwhelmed. And then same thing when you can barely see three feet in front of you, because maybe there was a mistake, maybe you're met with failure, maybe you're so overwhelmed with the obstacle that was just presented to you, zoom out and look at the big picture. And so really what we can do is we can change our perspective based on our needs in the moment. And for me, that's what I call shrinking the gap. It's taking this overarching goal and shrinking it down to this very simple thing that is like that first domino that when you knock that over, the others will follow. And then man, when you can't even find that domino zoom way out and remind yourself like why you started this in the first place. Because sometimes when we're in the middle of the marathon, you can't see the starting line and you can't see the finish. You have to remind yourself why the heck you're here in the first place. And that oftentimes can really help us persist in those moments.
1: Well, wow, I absolutely love that zoom in and, and zoom out uh, analogy there. You know, I talk about uh, reflecting a lot. Like, I, it was a big difference for me when I started doing regular reflection points and scheduling it to come back to the forest because you're so into the the weeds in the day to day that you you need that. And I haven't really put it like that before, but that's such a great concept to to do that to keep your focus and keep your why uh, oh. in check as you're moving through it. I love that. Exactly. I love that. What do you think? Um, let me ask you, with some of the work you're doing now, what what lights you up? What, what are you getting most excited about? Is it like your one-on-one coaching? Is it with an organization? I believe you've had, uh, like in the intro, I mentioned a, about a chance to work with a club like the Yankees and some of the things you've had a chance to do. What's lighting you up today? What What do you get most excited about?
0: A couple things. One thing I can't go into super detail on yet, but eventually maybe we'll do another one of these and I can talk about <laughs> that later. But um, One of the things that's really lighting me up is leading from the background. So my work with the Yankees and my work with my one-on-one clients, I am very client-facing. I am right there with them and I am talking them through stuff and um, I am like the resource that they come to. What's been really lighting me up is this challenge of being able to help a team in an organization improve their mental performance and their leadership culture from the background. So I am not the one facing uh, players. I'm not the one facing, um, you know, a lot of the the leaders in the company. I'm I'm facing a group of leaders, but I'm essentially teaching them to go and do the work within their organization. And that's been really fun because it's a, a whole different take on the work that I've done before, but that environment demands that versus me going in i'd actually it actually would probably do less good if i went in because i don't have the relationship with the people that would require that kind of relationship to accept the work so if we can work through people that do have the relationship we're actually making a greater impact in that way so that's been a really fun uh fun challenge
1: nice did you earlier on feel the friction because you're talking about relationships and i think that's key like you know, a lot of athletes have to have healthy egos about themselves when they go in, into things. Um, and maybe they have a few people that they really confide in, that sort of thing. But coming into this space early as a maybe a new thing within the last, I don't know, decade, it's really grown um, the need for it and sh- highlighted the need for it. But was there friction at all? Like, who is this person trying to teach me to be mentally tough? Like, what do they know about my role or who I am and that sort of thing. Like, what are some of those challenges that you saw?
0: Oh, heck yes. I mean, it's so, and it, and it's at no fault of anybody. Um, I think it's, I always describe this work when people feel resistance um, is that it's like, think about planting a seed. Sometimes we have no idea when that seed will be watered or when it will grow, but when you begin to plant those seeds, you have no idea the impact that it can make down the road. And so sometimes I'll get, I'll have said something to a player and three years later, they're like, I'll never forget when you said this. I'm like, really? That's what stood out to, you You know, it's like, you, you really don't know. And so, um, yeah, there is friction. And it's funny. I like to describe it almost like, a like a kink in a hose. And as water's coming out, you have two options. You could either turn up the water and force it out or you can go and remove the kink. And I will tell you the worst mental skill is a forced one. I've never seen anybody forced to do the work and benefit as a result of it. And so for me, I always find it's way easier to go and understand first go seek to find where the kink might lie, understand how it got that way in the first place, and then try and remove it. And to me, that's always worked better. And I'll give you an example of this. I, uh, one of my favorite players I've ever had the chance to work with to date. Um, he came in and this was with the Yankees and, uh, we had these intake forms. We'd have people, uh, our new players fill out. And the meeting was to go over his intake form. And I'm, he comes in and I pull out his intake form. He goes, can I stop you? And I said, sure. He said, um, I filled that out, out of courtesy. And I went, Okay, I said, would you do? Would you like to go over it? He's like, no. So I crumbled it up, I threw it in the trash, and I said, you got twenty minutes. I was like, is there anything you want to talk about? I was like, or you can have your twenty minutes back. And I ended up learning way more than that intake could have ever gotten out of him. And it was this idea that I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to. If all I am to you is a hey, I'm rooting you on from the sidelines, great. But if I can help you in other ways, I'm here for that too. And I got a lot more buy-in that way. And that player, it took a while, but he started getting curious and they started asking me questions. And then he asked me to send him books. And it was fascinating that he then became to adopt this in his own way that worked for him um, after a couple of years and after having a really bad experience with someone prior So to me, I always find that like when you do have friction, it sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's our ego that jumps to like wanting to prove them wrong. But really I find the best way to do that is to understand from their perspective and provide some level of empathy.
1: Right, right. Take that wall down, right? To to begin and like level the playing field and just, yeah, listen, right? Active listening has gotta be a big, big part of the impact. You're like you said. You're going to get a lot more than that than a written form. Just like I'm here to listen. What do you want to talk about? And build that, you know, those seeds of a relationship to start. That's that's awesome. And you know, I found the same too when I've run larger teams on larger projects and rollouts that take time. The relationships that sooner you can forge that relationship and grow it over the long haul, it's going to come to play later. Curiosity will build, like you said, and you know, I have always thought you take care of the team and and the work will kind of take care of itself. You put the people first. Um, what's something else, you know, you would like to, to share from your journey that you think even content creators on like LinkedIn will struggle with or other coaches, like, is there a common um, seed that you see that applies to just daily life that you've learned from, you know, working with professional athletes? Um, you know, we talked about shrinking the gap. We've talked about a couple of things, but is there something else that, you know, you see people struggle with in daily, um, challenges that you've picked up that you think could help a lot?
0: Um, I truly believe this and it's, again, everything I talk about it's because not only because of the, you know, the studies and stuff that I research, but oftentimes it's because I've experienced them myself. And I've had to be humbled, uh, and put these things in a play. Um, especially when I thought I didn't need them. Those are the ones that really, you know, they, they hit you right in the core. Um, this is one of them is that the biggest waste of time is comparing yourself to others. Um, for a lot of reasons, but you will never be able to change someone's opinion of you. You don't have control over that doesn't mean that their opinion won't change as a result of something, but you personally cannot go in their brain and change it. But you do have the power to change your own opinion of you. And to me, that is 10 times more powerful anyway. And so I when I approach social media, when I approach the work with my clients, when I approach any services, when... I try to, you know, when I talk to my own athletes about stuff, it's, we're always comparing them to a later version of them and, or a current version of them. Like, who do you want to be? How do you want to become? What are your values? And we all, when you can focus on you and you can develop your own self-worth within you, not only are you going to be better as a result of it, because you can really That you can eliminate some of the noise outside of you. But two, you're going to be able to be happy for others when they have success too. You have a capacity to celebrate not only when you do well, but when others do well. And to me, that is, there is something so freeing about that feeling inside. And when my professional athletes get there, it's, it allows them to do what they do on the, on the field or on the court or on the pitch um, in such a bigger way.
1: Right. Wow. And it, it, it's it gotta be freeing. Like you said, bring the joy back to it. Like, you know, we all start these sports from a young age, mostly from a spot of joy. We enjoy it. You know, we're happy to do it. And I'm sure that gets lost along the way sometimes with all the pressure that gets built up and the comparing Um, So that's, that's huge for content creators, for all of us, you know, trying to do what we do. um, That's such good advice. Thank you for sharing, Laura.
0: People that are happy and that enjoy what they do. It's a competitive advantage. So to me, I don't just look at it as something that helps us operate as human beings, but it's also a competitive advantage in whatever you do. It's hard to beat someone who's having fun.
1: (laughs) Love it. Well, people can look you up at laurenjohnsonandco.com on your website. You're posting great videos weekly on on LinkedIn. I know that. Short and sweet, powerful, very impactful. Anywhere else uh, that you would suggest people to look you up, Lauren?
0: Honestly, that's the best way because when I got married, I went from having a unique last name to a very common one. So Lauren Johnson, there's a bunch of us out there. So the easiest way is to go to my website and then you can go to all my social media channels um, from there.
1: Yes, and your newsletter adds a lot of value uh, as well. So thank you so much, Lauren, for joining. Super impactful. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to check the show notes for a recap of the lessons so you can reference them as you look to apply them to your journey. Please be sure to subscribe, give it a like, and a comment. It is very much appreciated. Have a great day, a great week, and let's go and grow.